Hello and welcome to the Oddcast, Ireland's musical theatre podcast. My name is Kean O'Dowd and I am joined today, of course, by my co-hosts, the irrepressible Daniel Ryan and Adam Trundle. We have a great show lined up for you today where we delve into the very latest news from the world of professional musical theatre as well as give our reactions to the most recent announcement by the Association of Irish Musical Societies on the awards and adjudication scheme and of course the gala award ceremony this summer. We'll also be joined a little later in the show by Chris Caroon, a name well known to many of you who will be taking us through the establishment of Ireland's newest musical society, Mullingarn District Musical Society. It's not often a brand new group gets established, so it'll be pretty interesting to hear what Chris has to say on the story of how that came about. And to round things off, we'll give you a little bit of an overview of some of the cast recordings that we've been listening to on lockdown, some pieces that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't, but they might become staples of your Spotify lists over the next few weeks. Gents, hard to believe it's been uh, two weeks since the last show. It sort of simultaneously (laughs) feels like it was two hours ago and 12 years ago. (laughs) Do you know what lockdown has made me feel like? Do you know, it's, do you ever see Interstellar? Yes. No. (laughs) I know where you're going. (laughs) Matthew McConaughey goes into the Tesseract. He sort of can move seamlessly between time. And that's sort of way I feel like I get up, I get up in a morning and go, is it Friday? Is it Monday? Yeah. Is it six months ago? Yeah. Or even yeah. you'll like have breakfast and you go, was that breakfast or was that lunch? Uh, like, I'm not really sure yeah. where in oh the day I, I am at this point. I, I never really figured out, like my, my parents' cat lives for mealtimes. He never goes out <laughs> and his whole... His whole day is revolves around pawing people waiting for meals. And I actually now understand <laughs> locked indoors. Yeah. Like you just live to eat. There's nothing yeah. else the, to the do. The most interesting thing that's happening to you, to you in your day is lunch. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. It's by far and away the most colorful thing that I'm doing all day. Like, like it's just, it's so, that's what I live for. I'm like, when's, when's my next food coming? When's my next snack? Is yeah. it acceptable to have another snack now? I only yeah. ate about 20 minutes ago. Like... Yeah, exactly. The, the the whole like the gap between meals is gone. It's like on the hour, every hour, I need something. Have you have you managed apart from eating your own weight in chocolate? Uh, have you figured out anything else to try to pass the time or keep keep the brain from melting away? I'm up, I'm up to about three glasses of wine every day. Yeah, so I'm We're... I'm really happy with the gains I'm making in that area. Um, That's moderation, really. <laughs> I've I've put yeah. a lot of put a lot of effort into it, and it, it's really coming on. Like literally today, I was I last night. Like last night, I'd say I easily had probably about four or five glasses of wine. But I was I like I didn't notice. This was even worse. I didn't even notice. And then literally today in the kitchen, I was like, oh my god! It was literally like there was literally like not even a glass left in the bottle. I was like, oh my god, do I? And like I love how I turned around like to the rest of the family, and I was like, oh, did somebody else have like some of this? Like, did somebody else have a glass out of this? I was like, no, that was all you, you mess. Like, oh god, who's been drinking my wine? <laughs> who, who, who's that guy? Where's the bottle gone? Yeah. Oh wait, it's in my hand. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's what, that's what I've been working on. And aside from the eating and drinking binging, I've been doing some binge watching as well. So I have recently oh. started a series that I probably am the last person to start it. So I don't know if you want really? to have a guess at what it might be. It's a very popular TV series. 
<laughs> that you've never seen before. I have never. You've seen never it. seen an episode of Friends. That's what you've never seen. You've managed wow. to get through your entire life without watching the adventures of Ross Geller. <laughs> you managed to somehow avoid the half four on, on Comedy Central. Like <laughs> <laughs> that makes my answer look way worse now because that would be amazing if I had not seen a single yeah. minute of Friends. <laughs> completely unaware. What is Friends? No, it's Game of Thrones is what I haven't seen any of. So that's what I've started. So. Oh, I definitely would have had you pegged as somebody who would have <laughs> Yeah, I would have had you as I a definite. Had you down for that. Did you read any of the books? No. So like my strategy at the time it came out was I'm going to wait for all the books to be finished and then I'm going to read all the books and then I'm going to watch the series. But it's becoming increasingly right. likely that uh, the books are never going to be finished. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think even with this quarantine, George R. R. Martin is somehow managing to get sidetracked on a million other things. So I've just given up. <laughs> I have nothing else to do. I'm just watching Game of Thrones and I might get around to the books at some point afterwards. Do you know what? It's, it's a good series and at points it's very good. But my God, that final season was such a letdown. Mm, I've heard. Yeah. I've yeah, heard. Brace, you brace yourself for that now. That was a real <laughs> Like, it's just so funny. Game of Thrones, it's just like the first few seasons, it's like we're going everywhere. We're looking like we're going down every side alleyway. We're following every insignificant character and we're going to develop them out. And then they literally got to about halfway through season six and the producers must have like crapped themselves and be like oh my god we actually need to like tie this up in like two years time uh, okay uh, you, you you get a death and you get a death and you get a death like so yeah it, it just goes from one extreme to the other but yeah. still highly entertaining i like your choice <laughs> yeah i suppose the nice thing about knowing it ends badly is i can just enjoy the moment <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the high moment because you know that it's going to come crashing down <laughs> Yeah, it suppresses any weight of expectation that you might have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <the show. laughs> so, Dan, you've been taking a bit of a look at what's been going on in the world of professional musical theatre, looking for any small morsel of entertainment <laughs> that might be ongoing at the moment yeah, it, to kind it, of sate the appetite for theatrical antics. Mm-hmm. It's proving very <laughs> difficult because, obviously, like every theatre around the world is closed, so every single yeah. show is just not on at the moment so it is very you're kind of like what would like you know we think we have it bad but at least we still have to work from home I'm like what would you do if you were an actor like you literally have nothing oh, to do to fill your day horrendous but in light of that the legendary talk show host in america rosie o'donnell she hosted what's known as again it was like for the actors fund and she basically held like a, a couple of hours they like, kind of interview and she interviewed a load of people from like broadway i know there's like patty lapone billy porter a few like a load of load of guests she had and obviously everybody just like dialing in from their homes in their pajamas basically having a chat with her <laughs> but one of the ones that stood out for me anyway that was very interesting was um alan menken um mm. now for anyone who doesn't know who alan menken is like First of all, educate yourself. But <laughs> Get out from under your rock. Exactly. Come out from under your rock. But if, if you don't, I think it's safe to say, I don't think it would be too outrageous to say that he probably composed the music for most of your childhood. Like certainly my childhood. Maybe maybe now, now, now I do preface that fact that, you know, I, I am a millennial. Am I a millennial? Is that what I am? I, I think, think you so. are. I think, I think you're a millennial, Dan. Yeah. 
I think you're I not Generation Z. You're too no, old, frankly. I'm too old for I that. hate to disappoint you, but Dang you're it. too old. <laughs> Dang it. But so, yeah, so maybe if you're a millennial. But, like, if you're not, you should still have watched all these movies. Because he composed, like, obviously, like, the music for Little Mermaid, um, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, like, Hercules. Pocahontas. Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame. And then outside of that, you know, because obviously people think he just worked for Disney. He did do a lot of work for Disney. But he also, <laughs> you know, he was also the composer for Little Shop of Horror. It was like the original musical yeah. version of that. He also did Sister Act when it became a musical about best part about, about 10 years ago at this stage. He did Newsies, which I know is another Disney product. So super talented individual. He's got a hat full of Oscars and hat full of oh. other Grammys and Tony Awards. Like, you know, very, very talented man. And as a result, I was kind of like, well, A, he probably doesn't need to work anymore full stop. Like, he's already done most of his (laughs) successful stuff. You would think. He can rest in his laurels at this point. Yeah. 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 I'm like, he's good. I think think you're quite right. Like, between him and Randy Newman, that's my childhood. (laughs) So no. (laughs) Exactly. The two of them. But um, he was on. He was one of the people she she interviewed, and he kind of just did like a rundown of like all the things that he's working on. And I suppose for him, he's kind of like he's taking this lockdown as a chance to really get ahead on like a whole rake of projects that he's probably committed to because he's like, I still need that money, but you know, I'm, I don't have enough hours in the day. <laughs> Very admirable, but God, I hate people like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just overextending yourself. Like, you know what? This is an opportunity to be more productive. <laughs> oh, oh no. Alan, have some consideration for the rest of us doing sweet FA. Exactly. Like he's literally, he's like forging ahead. Like he was listing through like all the things he was doing and just, the more he did it, the worse I felt. I was like, my God, I'm barely doing anything like from day to day. And I actually have to get up. Like, you know, he doesn't. But like among them, obviously, like Disney has started doing all their live action remakes of all their classics. So they've already done like Beauty and the Beast. They've done Aladdin. They did The Lion King. Next on the block is The Little Mermaid. So they brought him back Ooh. on board because like with all these ones, if you want to win another Oscar, you have to give him an original song. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's going he's going one better and he's actually writing four original songs for the live action remake of this show off. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And he's kind of just given a, a rundown of like, you know, who's joining, like, you know, the cast who's kind of coming on board. Some, some like big names for that. Like, you know, Melissa McCarthy is coming in as Ursula. You've got oh. David Diggs of Hamilton fame is playing Sebastian, that which I can't great. wait for. He's going to be oh, so good. good. They've got Javier Bardem as King Triton. I was like, that's an inspired bit of casting oh. right there. <laughs> That's so good. So that was like the that was like the big thing they were talking about. But in terms of like musicals, he's also he was saying he's working on a musical version of Night at the Museum. So that Ben Stiller Ooh. movie that's set inside is it the Smithsonian or the Met in New York? I don't know. It's I think yeah. it's the Smithsonian, but yeah. we'll get we'll get the fact checkers. We'll get on the exact fact checkers <laughs> of it. But like he's working on a musical version <laughs> of that. I was like, that's that's a bold choice, but I, I kind of like it. It strikes me as something that would be incredibly technically difficult. Oh, I'd, I'd say like the costume department are going to have an absolute, it's going to be carnage. Because like, if you think about that movie, there's just so many, like obviously it's all, like it's set in the museum and they go to like different eras and all these different things. Like yeah. everybody has to have like a distinctive look. Like it's just going to be like insane to watch crazy visuals. But that was one that I was kind of like, oh, that's an that's an interesting take for a musical. I was like, who financed that? <laughs> who who thought, like, you know, you know, you're scraping. I was like, is it scraping the barrel or is it a stroke of genius? I'm not really sure. <laughs> it's either going be. to be a massive success or a hugely expensive flop. 
Exactly, there's no way yeah. that musical is being done on the cheap. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's she. She's gonna be expensive. She's gonna be expensive. And then the other one, kind of again from a musical point of view, that obviously they've already made Hercules the musical. It was they did it last summer, I think. This in, was last in, year, wasn't it? Yeah, they did it in like open air in like Central Park in New York. But they're now it's now whenever Broadway is open again, it's due to transfer over to Broadway. So he's kind of honing that and working on it, bringing it a bit more slick, ready for the stage kind of thing. I am so surprised that Hercules took so long to come to the stage because it strikes me as so it has such a good soundtrack it's oh. probably one of the best soundtracks of any of the 90s disney musical movies and so it has good. some stiff competition it, how this avoided being brought to the stage for so long i have no I, idea i really can't fathom so that will be incredible yeah because like frozen went from being a movie <laughs> to a musical in like two years it was like um what about hercules <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And, and i get that they're capitalizing on the momentum of frozen and yes. and let it go and all that but geez like that is wall-to-wall classics they're great it songs really is uh, i think the issue with bringing the stage was you know the bit where he fights hydra you know this the giant dragon with all the oh, heads yeah. and he cuts yeah, off yeah. its head to yeah. more grow that's a little bit difficult to stage i imagine ah they'll find a way <laughs> <laughs> look if they could bring a dragon crashing in a church window in shrek yeah. they can <laughs> they can get this to happen in hercules i'm, I'm confident yeah absolutely. but anyway they're going they're going to change a load of details in it anyway yeah let's get rid of hydra yeah yeah you'll find a pop plant or something like that you know he's actually got he's got severe hay fever that's his one weakness like <laughs> yes leading into these summer months yeah. isn't it all of our greatest weakness exactly exactly also the team of interns have returned back with an answer on night at the museum i can oh. confirm oh. that it is the american museum of natural history on the upper west side of manhattan oh. ah yeah so if you were in the smithsonian thinking of writing in you can leave it off clarified. <laughs> yeah. we've, we've, we've checked ourselves and we have not wrecked ourselves so we're good well those are some pretty exciting things to be looking forward to hopefully in the not too distant future uh, hopefully not alan doing a great job though with this lockdown he is churning them out churning them out doing a great job and making us all feel incredibly envious <laughs> i i honestly probably yesterday stood in my pajamas for six hours looking out the window at a tree and he's he's penning the last few numbers to Hercules so (laughs) good good on you Alan so far from the glitz and glamour of the great white way but no less wonderful Adam you've been taking a temperature check on what is going on a little closer to home so the big news really is that Ames have come out and made a decision on the adjudication scheme and the awards for this year so we talked kind of at length on that in the last episode so just to recap they had sent a couple of options out to the societies to choose whether to postpone or cancel or to amalgamate or any of that. So they seem, you know, thankfully uh, to have seen sense and have gone with our advice, which is to have postponed uh, awards weekend (laughs) and have adjudication. I mean, I have no doubt that we're the ones who swayed it. So, so there's no point. No doubt. I'm sure the entire (laughs) national council was only glued to the last episode, (laughs) hanging on our every word. Look, there's no point in false modesty here. So (laughs) (laughs) I comfortably feel that greater minds than ours were put to work at this. I would expect so. Um, And look, I think they've gone for a common sense approach. So just to run through quickly what they've gone for. So the AIMS adjudication scheme is going to end at the normal time in May. So presumably, you know, that means that 
there are no more shows going to happen between now and then. So any shows that happened to get on stage and be adjudicated up to before the lockdown started, those will be the ones that are allowed to be nominated or to be awarded. And they're going to announce nominations at the end of May uh, virtually. So there'll be an online stream of someone in their home, which Mm. will give us all of that information, which I think is not that different to how most people get the nomination news anyway. So that's not hugely disruptive. Uh, Where the disruption does happen is they have pushed the awards weekend itself from kind of the middle of June to the towards the end of September. So I think it's the 18th to the 20th of September. And the other interesting thing is that they've decided so... For anyone who's not that familiar with Ames, and I kind of nearly class myself in that, there are two tiers to the award system, which I guess is kind of a way of making sure that every show can be seen. But there's a Gilbert section and a Sullivan section. So the Gilbert section is is seen as the higher tier. I think like Premiership and Championship, if you want to use a football analogy. Yeah, I think the middle section of the Venn diagram between <laughs> Arden Premier League fans and Irish musical theatre fans might be quite small. So- I am not so sure, Kean. So. <laughs> So essentially, there are points awarded for nominations in each of those categories, and they determine, Mm -hmm. I think it's an average over a couple of years, uh, where you fall. And what they've decided that the only shows that will be uh, moving up from the Sullivan, or the only societies, I should say, that will be moving from the Sullivan category up to the Gilbert category are those that were nominated for best overall show. And no one will be moving down as a result of this year's scheme. Yeah, because I think the only parts of this that might be, and and as you say, I think it is the common sense approach. And we had a long chat about this in the last episode. And we felt that keeping going with the societies that had already been adjudicated was really the best way forward. And that there was no reason to really extend the loss of adjudication to every society in the country. As you say, or as we said, the least worst option. But what kind of strikes me here as maybe a little bit strange, and maybe it's a product of not having been able to give it the kind of consideration that maybe the National Council have or not have received the feedback from societies, because I know they did reach out to a lot of societies and look for a steer on on what should happen with the scheme, is the idea that you won't get adjudication points for your show yeah i mean if your show gets a raft of nominations and no doubt very well deserved nominations based on the quality of the production it is going to be hugely disappointing for you not to get the points that could potentially move you up into as you say gilbert tier one um, or might keep you in tier one yeah and look i saw the announcement when it came out but I personally struggle to see the justification in it because it it still winds up being in a position where, look, if you put on a really good show and you get your nominations for it, then you don't as a society really get your just desserts in terms of adjudication points. Yeah, I suppose they're trying to keep it equal treatment on both sides. So if you're in the Gilbert category and your show couldn't happen, so you're not eligible for any nominations, you know, they don't want you to move down purely based on that. So I think what they're trying to do probably is if if you can't move down uh, because of this year you shouldn't move up Uh, but then they've made the exception for the people nominated for best overall show 
they haven't really yeah. been overly consistent, but it's more consistent than saying, you know, you didn't have a show this year. Tough. Yeah. At least that's my understanding it's, of it's what it's saying. Yeah. I know when they first announced it, I was like, my my thoughts like straight away went to, oh, what well, like, you know, if you didn't get to do a show, like you can't be, you can't boot those people out of Gilbert. But I'm, I'm going to be pretty mm. honest, I actually never even considered like your top tier can't have about, you know, an extra 20 to 30 societies in it, you know, for one year. Like that would just defeat the purpose of having two tiers. And I, it that's actually true. never, it never even crossed my mind though about like you know oh not like people not getting the benefit of you know getting their nominated like the points from nominations like you know and actually because you, you can you can still move between the tiers even if you don't get a, a best overall you could still have enough points over the last few years like so it's a bit shit <laughs> yeah i i and i suppose look there is no perfect solution to it because it's an incredibly trying situation for the entire association to find itself in and I think no matter what you do or what solution you come up with, you're going to end up annoying somebody in one one way or another. So it's difficult to be critical of it in any way. You know, they've they've gone with what they think is the best solution. And I think it's probably as close to the best solution as you can really come up with. And I know there are some societies, I think Limerick's reschedule dates for Titanic clash with the reschedule dates for the award ceremony. Oh, and that's yeah. incredibly unfortunate. And I'm sure there are lots of people in, in Limerick who are kind of thinking, geez, well, that's pretty rough. But the problem is, if you have a centre like the INEC, which is going to have an awful lot of bookings in the schedule, then the dates that you can potentially put on a postponed award ceremony are going to be quite small. Yeah. And if this is the available weekend at the appropriate time of year, September, where still we're not getting heavily back into show season, which kind of tends to pick up from October onwards. Obviously, that yeah. seems like the best time of year, but it's going to clash with some postponed shows or it's going to come in at a time where shows, if they're not on that weekend, then that weekend is going to be their technical weekend or it's going to be the last weekend before they go into technical and people aren't going to be able to go to Ames. Mm. That's just the way it's going to fall. In the, the words of Jim Carrey, it's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre to think that someone could be on stage the same night as the Ames Awards are meant to be happening and they could in yeah. theory have been nominated for another performance, which is, it's a bit odd. But I think it's just, like you said, the NEC is pretty busy. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm actually very impressed that they managed to get a rescheduled date in the first place. Oh, yeah. So, you know, kudos to the council on that. And I do wonder what the attendance will be like compared to the average year if there will be mass cancellations of people like, well, my show wasn't adjudicated and so I'm not going to go or whether people will go anyway yeah. or like whether outside of people wanting to or not wanting to, like whether it just won't suit people anymore. You know, people will have postponed summer holidays, maybe. Oh, I, I think it's automatically going to be a lower attendance than normal. It's just it's a time of year that, as we said last week, it's not going to suit as many people because real life comes back into play and people have commitments with work and people have commitments with family and they might have as you say postponed holidays they might have now shows coming up mm. their show wasn't adjudicated maybe they feel less impetus to come than they ordinarily would there's a whole suite of motivations which might prevent you from going to aims or, or depress the numbers going to aims but i think everybody would hope that it's still going to be a really well attended event that everybody is going to come out and celebrate irish music yeah. theatre after what has been a very very challenging end to the season Agreed. and it would be a fantastic way to reconnect with everybody mm, absolutely uh, having spent so long separated by the public health measures that we've all had to live with yeah 
Well, I, as I said last week, you know, I I think it would be really lovely like to see still the huge attendance at it. I think that just would be such a fantastic show of solidarity, like you know, that you kind of put that the disappointment of not having your show adjudicated kind of to one side nearly. Oh, absolutely! Like that show of solidarity would be great to see, but all of it is kind of hinged on whether or not the restrictions are lifted by that point. So they have a contingency in place that they will do a virtual awards weekend if you know it is the case that we can't actually get together at that point but god you really hope that by september you know like you really outside of aims or musical societies like for general sanity of, and the health of everybody you really hope by then we're back to some type of normality really <laughs> we can we can only live in hope and all we can say is look congratulations to the national council on working through this and trying to put together a solution which is the lesser of of many evils and there's no real way of, of articulating <laughs> it other than that any solution you come up with is going to be a compromise solution but in all honesty i think they found the one which is as we said Least worst. The least worst. So congrats to them. On the subject of Irish musical theatre, just want to make a special mention. Some of you will have seen this video, which has been shared by RTE News, and it's part of the, the Shine a Light or Shine Your Light, which is a celebration and a commemoration of frontline workers during this crisis. Uh, a number of Irish musical theatre stars like Brian Gilligan, Molly Lynch, David Shannon have come together and they've sung You'll Never Walk alone of course from carousel it also features a number of young irish actors in training over in the uk our own fionan o'carroll being one of them who (laughs) was our chip tolentino in our 2017 production of the 25th annual putnam county spelling bee so that's fantastic well done fionan and indeed everybody else it's a lovely project it's a lovely video so if you do get a chance to see it we certainly i think we'll probably share it on social media so do take a look the oddcast by odd theater is where we're at on facebook and instagram well our guest on today's show will be known to many of you in the Irish musical theater scene having performed with societies all over the country including tullamore athlone clara bravo and of course with the odd theater company in our 2018 production of rent it is for his portrayal of the troubled Roger Davies and that showed that he was nominated for the Ames Award for Best Actor and at the same award ceremony won for Best Singer for his role as the neurotic Jekyll and Hyde in the musical of the same name with Tullamore Musical Society. Uh, adding, of course, to a string of previous nominations. Chris also joined the cast of the premiere of the new musical New Fish in October in Smock Alley before taking up the mantle as Dame Lola in the Helix's pantomime Three Musketeers during the Christmas period. Chris, you're not a fan of sleep by the sounds of things. I tend not to be. I'm a bit <laughs> of a night owl. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say people are sexy in there. <laughs> and a bit, a bit of fan of, uh, of touring the length and breadth of the country as well. Yeah, well, it's nice to keep things fresh. You meet new people and they don't know how hateful you are, so they think you're lovely for a week and then you leave. <laughs> <laughs> but you've, uh, you've decided to take a little bit of a break from touring around the place and visiting musical societies from Dublin to Galway to set up something a little closer to home. And this is Mullingar and District Musical Society, otherwise known as MAD, 
I wondered, did that acronym have anything to do with yourself? Yeah, well, it's a fitting name, all right. For anybody involved in musical theatre, it's a fitting name. <laughs> we're all, as I think Michael J. Fox said, we're all here because we're not quite there. <laughs> it's, a, it's an unusual thing in the world of Irish musical theatre for a new musical society to come about, a fully-fledged yeah. musical society, because yeah. we have smaller groups that come up from time to time, and the Odd Theatre Company is, is one of those. We do kind of smaller, more off-Broadway shows with a, a tighter group of people. Yeah. But to do the larger musical society thing, the whole gamut of chorus fundraising, trying to secure a venue, all the mm -hmm. rest of it, it's incredibly daunting. So what made you delve into this, well, madness? <laughs> I'm mad. Um, it, it's a case, it, there was a lot of factors in it. Um, there's so much talent in Mullingar and for years Mullingar just didn't have an outlet for adults within that had interest in musical theatre to actually just express themselves that way. There's a lot of youth uh, productions in Mullingar and a lot of stage schools for the youth of Mullingar. But when it came to the adults, they had like huge gaps between years that they do shows. And there was two musical societies in Mullingar that would be Mullingar Musical Society and the Charity Variety Group, which are fantastic at what they do, but it wasn't an annual thing. So I was sitting at home one night and like that, driving the Lent and the Bread to the country. And I just was, I was tired at this certain stage. And I was like, I'd love to do something in my hometown with my hometown friends and let the people that are hugely talented have an outlet to express themselves. So I rang a friend of mine, can in hand, you know, the old Dutch courage does great for mind. <laughs> <laughs> I rang my friend Shane Barkey and literally just a whim nearly. It was, it was an idea that had been going for a long time. And I rang him because he's afraid to say no to me. So for whatever reason, <laughs> but, um, I rang him and I said, <laughs> I says, look, do you want to set up a musical society? And without thinking, he says, yeah. And now we're stuck in the deep end and there's a lot of people involved. So we have to kind of have one now. <laughs> so take me through it. I mean, you have that conversation with Shane. You yeah. decide, right, we're going to do this. We're going to set up a musical society. What? happens next what do you have to do well like i had a, a i'm not going to say i'm an expert because no one's an expert you learn every day but i was on the committee with a few with tullamore music society for the last couple of years so i kind of got the know-how for the commute the committee side of things and i'm like a sponge everything i see i take in and i keep in an archive for an, a later date so i kind of knew i kind of knew the the kind of groundwork that I had to do to get it up and running because not there wouldn't be uh, music societies within Mullingar that had the kind of same setup as majority of the AIMS circuit shows have. So the committee, um, the committee side of things was very new to the people in Mullingar. So when I decided to do it my first thing was get a committee together so everything doesn't fall on my shoulders or Shane's shoulders we needed a good core group behind us that we knew were willing to do the work so we got them and blessed is he amongst women we have a great group of women um, <laughs> behind us because god knows we can all admit, lads the girls the girls have the heads on their shoulders but um <laughs> 
the the girls that I got, I have Rita Martin, I have Jill McGurn, Amanda Cunningham, which everyone would know from the show circuit, Fanula Conroy, I'm going to forget somebody here, Marie Brennan, Claire Egan. <laughs> I have a ton of women behind me there that are absolutely incredible. So I just needed that first to get it up off the ground. So like that, we sat down and was like, we need money. Right. Like every show, we need money to get this up and running. So we just set a date, which was October. And since we started with the committee, we've just been fundraising, 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 trying to get the community involved to get funds behind us so that we can put on a show and hopefully sustain for 100 years. (laughs) (laughs) And has there been good support from the community? Like, is it something that Mullingar really want to see yeah it was actually incredible because like we knew we knew there was people that were were interested in having an annual musical society but when we actually explained to people what we were about and what would be involved what they how they would be involved with the musical that we'd be putting on it was incredible because like people were coming from all directions at us and we were having fundraisers and it was people that weren't able to attend but they would show up at like 2 and 3 p.m that day just to give me an envelope of money and say look can't come tonight but i want to support you i can't wait to be involved so it was incredible wow. that it was incredible the reaction we got. That's fantastic support to get because it can be hard, can't it, to, to kind of get people on board with fundraisers especially. Oh, you blew in the face getting dirty looks off people when you're asking them for money. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's absolutely incredible. Um, it's incredible for your first time setting one up because it is a huge task to take on and it's a very thankless task in some regards because people don't actually see the work that you're doing behind the scenes. A lot of people just see the show you put on, but they don't see what's going on behind the scenes to get that show to the stage. The show that you are putting on in October is Calamity Jane. Calamity Jane! It's a show that I I think a lot of people will be very familiar with. A lot of younger people might not be terribly familiar with it because it's maybe a show that isn't performed as much as it once was. But it is a great society show. What made you go down the route of choosing that? I mean, from the, the various suite of things that you could have picked. Well, there was a lot of factors, and one of one of the main ones was the last few years we have listened to the community in Mullingar, and Calamity Jane was something that people were always saying they would love to see. It was done years and years and years ago in Mullingar. I think it was actually a student player's production in Mullingar, and people love Calamity Jane. And like you said, not many young people may know what it's about, but I think it's kind of an ageless show. If if you are in Calamity Jane, you come off the stage and you love it. So that was one of the factors that it was. There was a cry out for it from the community. But another one was, I love the oldies. I absolutely love the old shows. And I think it's time. We've done a lot of modern shows within the AIM circuit in the last few years. So it's time to bring the oldies back. And Doris Day needs an out and every now and again, God help us. You're dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> was there anything else up for consideration? There was. There's a, like that. A, a committee, God, you're your best friends, but you want to kill each other as well because you have so many, <laughs> so many options to go with and everybody has an opinion. And like that, 
I don't think I don't think it took us very long. Like you, you have your all shook up was I think one of them. Um, I think Wedding Singer was another one. There was a few. There was a few that were thrown around, but it was unanimous with everybody on the committee. It was just like a golden oldie is the way to go. Uh, I think it's it's a really good show to go with your first one and get support in as well because there's a sizable cast in it too. So you can have a lot of people involved within the show too. And you're not cutting anybody out by picking a show that restricts you cast-wise. Tell me about your, your creative team. Do you have one in place at the moment, your director and musical director? We have a few people. Um, we haven't announced yet. Uh, we just need Ooh. to lock. We just need to lock down some things. So there are people there, but it will be up on our social media within the next week or two. Uh, who we have placed, but we're very excited. It's. I think it's going to be refreshing. I don't think many people within the AIM circus have ever seen or worked with the people we've picked. Ooh. Interesting. Ooh. I'm being very, very being very cryptic here. <laughs> <laughs> You're laying out a few teasers for us. Yeah. <laughs> what about casting? You haven't uh, gone down the road of filling out your roles yet, have you? No, 100% not. One thing that we want is we want everybody to know when they audition for us that they have they have an open shot. There's no, we don't want favoritism. We don't want nepotism. We don't want anybody coming in thinking there's clicks because you hear that every now and again within some musical societies, you think they're oh god there's angela from the post office she's an amazing singer she's going to get the lead every year <laughs> no that's not what that's not what it's going to be for us we want everybody to know if you're coming into us you have a shot come in and do a good audition and you get the part but there's huge talent huge talent in mullingar and there's some talent in mullingar that i know hasn't been seen in the aim circuit definitely because they te- there's a, a load of that talent that stays within the bubble of Mullingar, which I can't wait to have our shows affiliated with AIM so people see them because there's immense talent. And like that, we called ourselves Mullingar and District because we do want surrounding areas and other musical society members to know that they are welcome. It's not a closed uh, door project at all. Yeah, because that's something that I, I did wonder, like obviously like having done a couple of shows in the Midlands and stuff like there's so there's obviously so many societies all very yeah. close to each other and I'm also also envious and I was like oh you could just do just like a full lap of the Midlands in one year just do a show with everyone <laughs> so that's what I did <laughs> I was really yeah <laughs> so I was wondering like you know is there going to be still is there people though like you're saying that there's talent in Mullingar that like you know people yeah. mightn't have actually seen before like you know that that's fantastic to hear that like you know there's people you know some fresh talent out there there's like there's a whole, there's a whole, a whole different group people we've never seen well that's it like I, I i won't mention names because you know i won't play favoritism but there's some people in mullingar that like literally i sit and watch in absolute awe when i see them in the show and some of them i haven't seen in a show in about six seven years because they just it's 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 not there for them and then sometimes when a show comes up it mightn't suit you or the time it mightn't suit you so like i think it's very important and even for your mental health, I find musical theatre is just such a great outlet. Like, And there's so many people in Mullingar that could be doing with something like that to get themselves out of the house. And everybody needs a hobby. And this started out for a hobby. Musical theatre started out as a hobby for me and then turned into something that I work at every now and again. 
But um, it just, I think it's so important for each town around Ireland to have this outlet because for me, it's done wonders for my physical health, my mental health. Leaves me absolutely wrecked and I don't get to bed till four in the morning, but that's not <laughs> on you. Exactly. So will all of your traveling around now stop? Are you married to mad or will you still have your mistresses on the side of, of other societies? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, I think, I think the mistresses will have to keep going. I am... Um, <laughs> I'm not a person to sit still and like that with all that's going on at the minute, like I'm literally going mad. You have no idea. <laughs> I like the little things I'm doing. I've, I used to paint years ago. So I'm sitting in the house painting trying to get everything out when I pour out canvas, but like that, I'm not a person to sit still for long. So like my, my focus is getting mad where it needs to be. And making sure that yeah. there's a good there's a good backbone there. Like I don't want anybody to think, oh, Chris Caroon is setting up this society. It's Chris Caroon society. God no. And anybody that's on a committee in any regard in any musical society does not want to be on committee. So I just want to set it up. <laughs> I want I want to set it up. I want to lay the groundwork for for years to come. I want people to get involved in committee, get involved with the show. But I don't want anybody to think like it's a dictatorship or I'm going to be telling people what to do. <laughs> I'm just holding the reins and hopefully we arrive safely where we want to go. But yeah, like that, I will definitely be show hopping. I love it. And I've met too many wonderful people not to show hop. It's <laughs> good to hear. <laughs> so that's, that, that's a hard yes. Speaking yeah, of yeah. <laughs> um, that that Ames community, obviously, yeah. look, you probably heard our discussion on the last podcast and you've seen the announcement from yeah. Ames, I, th- I think just under two weeks ago now about what's happening to the awards and adjudication scheme and the ceremony. What are your thoughts on it? Is it the right call? I, For me personally, I think it's the right call. I think that the Ames council the whole community i think they've handled it very very well it's a tough Mm. call it's a tough call and i i i I think no matter what decision they came to you're always going to have naysayers and then you'll have your cheerleaders as well but i think they handled it very well and ultimately i think the decision was what i would have liked out of it and that's my own personal Mm. opinion Obviously, there was lots of us that were due to be in shows that were either cancelled or postponed, and it was devastating. Like, I was due on to go on stage with Clara Musical Society for Shrek the day of my birthday, so it was a double whammy for me. So I was sitting at home eating my feelings uh, all evening (laughs) on my birthday, having aged another year and not being able to take it out creatively. But I do think that it was the right call because they... The people that did work their asses off all year and like we all did, but the people that did take to the stage and got their shows done and gave absolutely incredible performances. Like I saw Daniel there in Atlone and I couldn't stop smiling the whole way through the show. And all I could think about was I can't wait to see my friend on the stage at Ains. And I'll be your biggest cheerleader there, Dan, because it was an incredible <laughs> show. But, it was fantastic. Like, it was brilliant. But like that, it's it's I think Ames is about a lot more than than the awards. It's the community, it's the solidarity of when you go down to Ames. And I if I'm nominated, that's an absolutely amazing feeling. And you it's such an honor to be nominated, but at the same time, 
I, for me personally, I would be sitting down at the table, pint in hand, screaming for a person that I know is on stage. And I think the people that worked their asses off did their shows and oh, everybody went to see the shows and they went so well. I do. I think it's the right call. I think they deserve to be acknowledged for what they did. And the rest of us can just wait till next year. We can wait and we can put on our shows uh, whenever they get rescheduled. It's all about solidarity and cheering everybody on at the end of the day. Indeed it is. Thank Chris, you, right? many thanks for joining us today. And best of luck with all the preparations for Calamity Jane. We'll talk to you real soon. Thanks a million, guys. And of course, you can catch Mullingarn District Musical Society on stage this October with Calamity Jane. Keep your eyes on their social media pages for more news about that performance and, of course, about auditions or fundraising if you'd like to get involved in either of those. Now, last thing on our agenda, gents, is just have a little bit of a a chat about what we've been listening to to try to get our musical theatre fix and get us through lockdown in in one piece and with our uh, artistic appetite sashed. How about you, Dan? What are you listening to at the moment? The soundtrack from my quarantine, weirdly, I don't know how I came across it. I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but it's Beetlejuice, the musical. Just come off Broadway, in fact. Yeah, literally just finished, unfortunately, for them. Because they were due to finish in June, I think. Yeah, and and now, obviously, that the Broadway shutdown is going on to like july so they've actually they've played their last performance which is so which is so sad i'm like that's really sad yeah like you know they're not the only ones in that boat but yeah i try to think how i even came across i think i saw like the tony performance from it it was in last year it would have been last year's tony awards Mm. and the guy who plays beetlejuice a guy called alex brightman he was like he was the original um mr schneebly in school of rock the musical no way and he's just He's hilarious. He is such a funny guy. And like his perform- I thought his performance at the Tony Awards was just, again, just hysterical to watch. And I think it was from the, that number that he did. So I think that's like, the, they did what's like the opening number to the show. And just, I, I, that was all I'd seen of it for a while. And then I think just classic boredom. You put on like a Spotify playlist on Shuffle. And it's just like random, random songs just turn up. And I think, and a few more than popped up. And I was like, I'm actually going to like take the time. I'm going to listen to this. And it's actually so catchy. Like, there's just so, like, again, a lot of really funny songs like, coming through it. Like, and it's, it's just, you, you sit there and you're half enjoying the music, but you're also having a good giggle as well. You're, it's actually <laughs> hilarious. Like, like, I think there's a bit where he tries to spell his own name and he's like, oh, I'm like to the B, to the double E, J, to the Q, and Jesus, I can't spell. And you're like, that is <laughs> too funny. Like, it just falls apart. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's weirdly what I've been listening to. Like it's, it's very good. The one for me, the standout track in it is, I think it's the one that is right before the end of Act One. As basically, it's called "Say My Name," and it's basically Ooh. he's trying, he's trying because he can't say his own name. For anybody who doesn't, who's not really aware of the storyline of Beetlejuice, he's like, a, he's essentially like a demon from hell, and you know, all he, all he wants to do is just like. For people, you have to say it's a bit like Candyman. You have to say his name like three times, and then he becomes like he becomes like you know real, and he can actually just go about the world wreaking havoc. So he's constantly trying to get people to say his name, and it's just all about him basically playing a game of charades and trying to get this girl to say his name, like you know. So it's like two two words, first word, like you know, and it's just and all the ben- all the benefits that come there of, of saying his name and all the fun that he can have. So it, it, it's a very like strange choice. I wouldn't have thought it would be a musical I would have been into, but now I'm like the soundtrack is 
so good. It's so catchy. It also has that one, which I'd heard before, but I don't even know how it, where, if it even belongs exclusively to Beetlejuice or if it was something before that. But another one is like, Daylight come and me one go. Oh, oh that, uh, the, the Harry Belafonte. Yeah. That made its way in. Interesting. It was nominated for a raft of Tonys when it came out. Yeah, it was. It was. She sadly don't think it won any, but it was up for best musical, best book, best score. Yeah. Everything. And I think from what I've seen of it, from like the few clips and stuff like that you can get, it seems to be quite a, a technical masterpiece. Like, you know, they have like mm. a giant, like there's a giant sand snake that like comes on to the stage. Oh. And there's like all these, and like even watching that song, that, that Deo song, like it's set kind of around at dinner time, and like hands are able to like pop out of place, like and just grab people. And yeah. so, like, it's so amazing to watch. Like, it, it seems cool. to me. And Adam, to think you were wondering whether they could actually get the Hydra in Hercules to work. <laughs> yeah. For shame. <laughs> Never doubt a Broadway producer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite glad that they managed because, like, those are pretty iconic visual moments from the movie. So, mm. I'm glad they managed to find some Broadway magic to incorporate them because it would be kind of a little bit lesser, you would think, of of an experience without the sand snake <laughs> I, I, oh God. <laughs> pretty key to the plot fun and all as beetlejuice is mm. i i always get a bit of a i don't know my my nose had a joint about like movie tie-ins or kind of like the mu- the musical movie cash-in like there's something about it that just rubs me up the wrong way <laughs> like I, it's it's one of those things I and if anybody has ever listened to or seen title of show mm, yeah you know the track about the original musical and how financially suicidal it is to write <laughs> an original musical because all anybody wants is to go oh wow I don't know like two men and a baby I've seen that I, I definitely <laughs> want to go to a musical about it um, exactly but the track I've been listening to is definitely or the soundtrack I've been listening to I should say is definitely not a movie musical title it's an off-Broadway piece called Jasper in Deadland. So it does have very strong underworld connections. Okay. Much like Beatles. There's a theme. There's a theme. Jasper in Deadland or Jasper and Deadland? In Deadland. In. Okay, so I'm just taking this. He is in it. So it's this show about a 16-year-old kid and he has a falling out with his best friend, Agnes, at the start of the show. She runs off he can't find her and he goes up to the cliff face where they often hang out and he thinks oh i think she's gone off the edge of this cliff and he dives in and he winds up in deadland and the whole show is about him traversing the underworld to try to find agnes that's what he tries to do in the show and the score is by this guy called uh, ryan scott oliver he's done a, a good bit of off-broadway stuff if anybody knows him from anything else it'll be 35 millimeters but jasper in deadland it's just such an incredibly unique show and it has some brilliant brilliant tracks like living dead is incredible stroke by stroke is incredible it was done by matt doyle who you might know in the original cast recording was off Broadway in 2014, was pretty well received, went for a professional tryout in Seattle, I think, in the following year, and got kind of beat up by the critics. <laughs> <laughs> Which is strange because when it was off Broadway in 2014, it was pretty well received. So it just hasn't really taken off as a show, but its soundtrack is absolutely cracking and it is so different. So I would really recommend anybody who is looking for something to listen to that perhaps is a little bit bit off the beaten track in musical theater terms, I'd say get on that. And, you know, 
give an original musical a bit of a run out. I mean, it sounds like a barrel of laughs, can I just say? <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the worst episode of Punked ever. It's like, oh, I think she went over the edge of the cliff. Psych, no, she didn't. As you have quite rightly pointed out, Adam, it's not a comedy, but it does have a lot of comedic elements to it. It's a bit like, I suppose, any, any show with a relatively serious theme, it has bucket loads of comic relief to kind of balance things mm. out. Look, it's it's a show I would love to see performed. Is there a standout track? Is there a kind of a hit? Oh, Living, Living Dead and Stroke by Stroke are the ones to listen to. They are, okay. they're brilliant pieces of music. Throw that on today if you get a chance. Okay, so I think unlike the two of you, I have not been listening to musicals lately. I have made a spring what? playlist, which I called Spring Awakening. Oh, it was, nice. <laughs> I mean, it was a tie-in between that and Spring, Spring, Spring from Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. But I didn't <laughs> spring like Awakening better. Spring, Spring, Spring. <laughs> so right, I went for you. Can I ask, are all of your songs in this playlist spring-related? N- no, like not in the lyrics, because that'd be a... It would be hard to find a playlist of just songs that mention the word spring. I mean, Bruce Springsteen, but no, like <laughs> that they're just kind of like they are upbeat, happy right, songs okay. yeah. to put a spring in your step. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. But so what I will do to This metaphor is getting labored. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not done yet. I've got six more hours of spring related material. <laughs> Um, and our patreon listeners can tune in to those six hours exactly (laughs) the odd cast unplugged (laughs) yes unplugged mentally no sorry go on i interrupted you you were you were regaling us with tales of your spring playlist (laughs) so there is not a single musical track in there but i think i will check out both of your recommendations and test them out for myself you know because i don't want my name put these recommendations to the wider public if i can't stand over them as well so <laughs> fair, 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 so, fair oversight. So I will listen to them both and I will report back in two weeks whether I think either of your suggestions have any merit. And indeed, if, you know, a little bit of friendly competition wouldn't go astray if, if there's a winner. Oh, well, God, I'm so going to lose. <laughs> well, no, I, I have to say I agree, Dan. I think you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, 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 yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. Mine's look, mine's commercially viable, okay? That's all that matters, really. <laughs> I mean, can I point out that uh, Jasper in Deadland has missed an amazing pun for its title? They really should have just called it Jasper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. More of that in 2020. So, I mean, that's one point against it. (laughs) I I don't know if it's a point against it, Adam. I I kind of feel the opposite is true. Uh, (laughs) It sounds like a point against it. It actually sounds like it should be. uh, So, yeah, I'll be interested to hear about who you think the victor of this little musical theatre showdown is. (laughs) I'm adding them to my Spotify playlists as we speak. Well, not the spring playlist, but... A playlist. <laughs> <laughs> totally separate. You, t- you don't want to taint that spring away anyone. Oh, no, yeah, no, that, that sounds way too amazing to uh, muddle <laughs> up with some power tunes. That has 100 songs of absolute belters, might I say, yeah. such as... Um, um, um. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of time struggling here to find a belter makes me suggest that there are not that many belters i'm, I'm willing to bet from the name it includes all of bruce springsteen's back catalog all of spring awakenings cast recording and spring 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 from seven brides for seven brothers and no, that it is it not. and now our two suggestions and maybe evergreen from the stars born maybe it's like a great playlist no well it does have his 
Are You Ready for Love by Elton John? And it has uh, Don't Stop by Fleetwood Mac. See, belters. Just, yeah. I, I'm really <laughs> struggling to find the unifying theme in this playlist. Yeah. The unifying theme is their good songs. And it's currently spring. <laughs> they, they put a spring in your step. You got it. Okay. <laughs> And, uh, and on that rather uplifting note, we're going to say thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to get in touch with us, please do so by sending us a message on Facebook or Instagram, the oddcast at Odd Theatre, or by emailing us at the oddcast at oddtheatre.com. Until next time, stay safe and listen to Jasper and Deadland. Bye! <laughs> <laughs>